Okay, uh, just a couple other announcements I didn't cover was in the uh, bulletin, there's a yellow sheet, and we're going to have a Vacation Bible School staff meeting on Thursday night at 7 p.m. That will be the kickoff meeting. We'll probably hand out the handbook, and uh, that meeting will be obviously to go over Vacation Bible School, which will be July 24th through the 28th. 9.30 to 12.15. We always look forward to that summer ministry. So we want to, we've got started early because of uh, ordering material. Donna's ordered a lot of materials for different teachers and so forth. So we have the material in. Uh, but uh, we'll have that meeting Thursday night. So uh, just getting back to uh, the American history course, one thing it's done to me personally is I have a great appreciation for the country I live in. I really do. Uh, they weren't perfect men and women, just as we're not perfect, but I think they did a great job. Right? We had a lot of trouble early on after the War of Independence. We were in big trouble for about eight years until they came out with the Constitution. The Articles of Confederation didn't work, but they did a great job. James Madison is the father of the Constitution. And uh, Jefferson was a very quiet guy. He, he didn't go over to Congress much. He sent notes over there, right? He was a sort of a little, he was a good writer, but he, I don't think he liked to speak a lot. So, but praise the Lord. But we have a wonderful blessing to live in this country and never take it for granted for the freedom we enjoy. So we want to thank the Lord for that. So we're going to be finishing up Jude here. Jude is only... One chapter, we're going to be looking at 17 through 25, and uh, we're going to be looking at the conclusion of this letter, epistle, and uh, it's a great conclusion. Uh, he has warned us, Jude has, about false teachers in the previous couple messages we looked at, and now he wants to conclude it by encouraging believers to be on guard, but also to realize that they need to be built up in the most holy faith. So he starts out chapter, you know, it's only one chapter, verse 17. We're going to be looking at 17 to 25. How to live their lives anytime, but especially in difficult times. And certainly we're living in difficult times. It's imperative that we take heed to what Jude, his biblical instructions and put them into practice in our lives as we live in these last days. Certainly we cannot uh, set a time for Christ's coming. Obviously we're getting closer all the time. We believe we're living in the last days. So these including instructions of Jude and his words of exhortation are so important to put into practice in our lives. By the way, uh, I've come to the conclusion... Uh, after Easter, which will be April the 16th, I plan on doing Revelation in the morning. <laughs> okay? And uh, Acts in the evening. So we're going to do the book of Revelation in the morning and then the book of Acts in the evening. To me, it wouldn't make much any difference because i got to do both of them, so it doesn't matter whether we do them in the morning or evening, but I, I'm led to do it in the morning, the Revelation. Okay. And it follows Jude, of course. 
But next week, of course, will be in Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and then right on into Easter Resurrection Sunday. So let's look at this. There's two areas here where he says in verse 17, but beloved. And then in verse 20, he says, but ye beloved. Whenever a writer of the uh, epistles says beloved, he's talking to believers. We are the beloved in Christ. So thankful for that. And we are to remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important to remember. As I mentioned in history, it's good to remember and not forget what others have done or others have said or others have instructed us. So likewise, with our, with our, uh, as we grow up, children, it's important that we remember what we were instructed by our parents. I'm sure we didn't always agree with that. I know as a teenager, sometimes I didn't think mom knew exactly what she was talking about. But I have found out that mom knew what she was talking about. Okay, you ever notice that? You find out later as you look back. Okay. And the writers of uh, this epistle, Jude, and other writers are are reminding them. Now, we could go through a number of scriptures where he says here, Remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Several places, like Peter, Second Peter, covers a lot of what Jude covers. But what I'm going to look at is this morning is where Paul spends some time with the believers at Ephesus. So we're going to turn to Acts chapter 20. Now, this is the Apostle Paul coming back from the third missionary journey, heading back to uh, uh, Jerusalem. And he's going to speak with elders. Now, remember, these are elders. Elders would be leaders in the church. And this is Acts chapter 20. This is a very touching scene. He had called for an elders meeting, not at Ephesus, but at Miletus. Miletus, and it's chapter 20, and you can look at it from 17 to 32. I'm not going to be looking at the whole section there. I just want to look at certain verses, actually from verse 28 to 30. So just picture this scene. If I had a map here, and we do have, we're going to put it on the PowerPoint. I have, uh, we purchased maps of the Bible times, so I could put it up there now. And I also got a laser pointer, okay, not to shine in anybody's eyes, because you got to be careful with those things, but to shine it up there and show you where Ephesus is. Ephesus is, if you can picture Turkey in your mind, which was called Asia, Asia Minor back then, you can see it. Ephesus right here, and Miletus is just down the coast from, Miletus, from Ephesus. So he's called this meeting, Paul. And the elders, and they're meeting there. And now, in, in, during that meeting, he says, take heed. In verse 28. Therefore, unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. An overseer is one that oversees the flock. An elder, a deacon, a pastor, leaders in the church. 
They are to take care of the flock. Okay, or the Holy Spirit. To take, feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Of course, the church has been purchased with the blood of Christ. And we're to feed the church. What do we feed them with? We feed them with the word of God. We eat physical food for our bodies, but we need spiritual food, which comes from the word of God. So he goes on here and he says, what's going to happen after he departs, sell grievous wolves, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. I've said this many times. I was brought up on a farm, so I know something about farming. And I know something about sheep. Sheep are not very defense, having much defense against wolves. I remember when we lived up on my farm in Stone Ridge, I... We didn't have sheep at that time when I was growing up there, but my grandfather used to have to bury several sheep because wild animals got them and killed them. Okay? So what he's saying here now, spiritual sheep are believers. And it says here, wolves will come in. Wolves come in to try to disrupt the flock. And uh, that's... What we can expect. But now something bothers me here in the next section. And of your own selves shall men rise. Why does that bother me? Does anybody know? Elders among themselves are going to be raised up to harm the flock. You can expect coming out from outside. But what happens when you got people that are leaders disturbing the flock? And that's what he says. Of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Okay? That's a bad thing. Uh, both of them are bad. But this, this is right from within. Now, he goes on here. That's why he says, therefore, watch. And remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you every night and every day with tears. You know, you, you say, why do you warn them? You warn them to be on alert, to care for them. You don't want to see harm come to them. Paul had a heart for the sheep. He had a heart for the believers. He's, Paul was not the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Timothy was. In others, apostles didn't typically become pastors of churches because they were more global in their ministry. They went from church to church like Paul did. But sometimes they spent a number, like here, three years. They're helping out the church. Or other places he would spend time helping them out. And But he was warning them as he's going to be leaving Ephesus, Miletus here, going to Jerusalem, He's going to be warning the leadership. And all us leaders here, we need to take our place of responsibility seriously. That means we have to be watching and guarding the flock. Some super spiritual person will say this. Don't you trust God? Doesn't he take care of the flock? What's the answer to that? 
The answer is yes, but he's also put other people in charge of it, just as in a family. I know God will take care of my family, but he's put me in charge as a father to take care too in my home, right? I can say, oh, yes, it's God will take care of it. We know that, but he puts people in charge. Can God do it without us? Yes, he can, but he's chosen to use us, okay? And so leadership, I believe leadership is key. God is God. Sheep are sheep. Leaders have to be in between. It's like a meet between God and man is Jesus Christ, a mediator. But between God and the church, he puts leadership or people in, in charge or responsible to take care of the sheep, to protect them, to feed them, to watch over them. And so that's what Paul's saying. Because false teachers are going to come in from out. It's like putting up your radar, you know, your antenna to see. Not that we have to be scared. There's a big difference between being scared and being alert. Okay? Now, and we can spend a lot of time there, but let's just go back to Jude. So, and, and there's other places where the apostles had warned. Okay? And you move on. It says how that they... Uh, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who shall walk after their own ungodly lust. What is a mocker? Yeah. They're, 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 uh, Peter also calls them scoffers. A scoffer will say this, and I had this happen to me. A number of years ago, Pastor Coppenall went to, uh, to Israel on a trip. So I sort of set in while he was gone. So I ran into a, a local pastor in the post office in Rhinebeck. And I, I said, oh, Pastor Coppenall has gone to Israel, and I'm setting in for him. Introduced myself to him and so forth. I said, I probably will not go to Israel. I'll probably go during the millennium. During the second coming of Christ, <laughs> he said, don't hold your breath. He didn't believe in the second coming. I didn't know what to say to the guy. I was, I was like irate. I, I would thought he would say, praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to that too. None of that. It's like, what are you talking about? So obviously the man was an apostate. He did not believe in the doctrines of the faith. Now, we might not always understand the doctrines of the faith, but there's a difference between not understanding them and believing them. So, I found out that where he stood. And I'm not going to tell you the denomination. Probably some of you already know. <laughs> but moving on here, he goes on. And he talks about that. So, and, and Peter, like I said, the scoffers will say, where is the promise of his coming? But in that same passage in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, listen to this verse. Listen. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering. Anybody know the rest? He's not willing 
that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, he's waiting. Now, I know the Holy Spirit has to draw you. I know that. But also, there's that, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So, come to the Lord. Come into the ark, so to speak. Don't wait or delay or put it off another day. Come while you can. When Noah built the ark, there was a time when God, who shut the door? God shut the door. And then the flood came. But that door is going to shut one day. So, moving on here. We see... The uh, in verse uh, 19, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. They don't have the spirit. The false teachers, they they might come across like they do. They might come across like they are very religious. But there's a key. What spirit do they have? Huh? They could have the spirit of Antichrist. But he's talking here about the true spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? No man can call or woman can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in you, you know who Jesus Christ is. You know him. You might not all know all the details of theology, but one thing you know, I know in the Reed knows this hymn I'm going to mention. It's 409 in our hymn book. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me. Again, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I know that. I know that he died for my sins. I know it. The Holy Spirit's bearing witness through the word of God that I belong to Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit doing that in your heart right now? That you belong to Jesus Christ? Well, praise the Lord. Now, he goes on here. Now another beloved, but ye beloved, build yourselves up in the most in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen, you need to be built up. I need to be built up. Okay, it, it's a lifelong process. You don't just. It takes time. When you. You know, you can't just snap your fingers and have all these mature Christians. It's a lifelong process. But it's a building process in your heart, in your life. And and Judas say, build yourself up. The best way to protect yourself from false teachings or false stuff is to be built up. What's the best thing to prevent sickness? A strong immune system. You know when your immune system is weak, you can get sick quicker. Not that you can't get sick even with a strong immune system. You can. But it's important to have a... I believe that's so important. And I believe... uh, I'm not trying to sell them, but I believe in taking some vitamins. Uh, The Lord is going to give you a strong system, but you need that too. I believe. That's just my own personal opinion here. 
okay? And uh, you take your zinc and D3, <laughs> okay? That's good for you. But you know when your immune system's weak, it's easier to get sick. Not that we can't get sick even with a strong immune system, but certainly now spiritually speaking, you need to have your spiritual immune system built up. You need to be strong in Christ because the enemy's going to come at you. And if you're weak, spiritually speaking, that's why Paul says in chapter 6 of, uh, of Ephesians, Amy covered that in the, uh, in the women's thing, uh, thing a couple weeks ago, uh, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor. You're going you're to be in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. So you need on, you need the breastplate on, you need the shield of faith, you need the helmet of salvation, you need the belt of truth, you need the feet shod for the preparation of the gospel of peace. You put on that armor. God, and by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be victorious over these things that come against you because they will come against you. And you will face them. These false teachings, these false, they may even sound good. They might have an enticement to you to pull you in. We need to stay strong in Christ in these days. Build yourself up in the most, most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Prayer. I can't emphasize prayer enough. Prayer is so important. And by the way, if any, anybody needs prayer after the service, you come forward. If you want to be anointed with oil, we do that too. It says that in James chapter 5. If there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and they'll pray over you, anoint him with oil. You know the passage? Look at it. It's in the latter part of chapter 5 of James. We've done that several times here. Okay? But I, I want you to know, if you need prayer... You come forward after the service. I might not be here because I've, I've got to be there greeting people, but there'll be somebody up here in front to pray with you. We need to take prayer seriously. We need to pray in the Holy Ghost. What that means is to be directed by the Holy Spirit in our prayers. Look at Romans. We all go through tough times in our lives from time to time. It's 826 of Romans. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh it. things come to your mind. You might say, well, where did that come from? It happened a number of years ago. Donna wakes me up three in the morning. Now, in, in England, it's six hours difference, right, Maureen, roughly? It was here, nine there. We prayed for Frank, our son, our oldest son. We got a call the next day. He got seriously cut and was taken to the emergency room. What time did it happen? Nine o'clock. Where did that come from? Holy Spirit. He laid it on our heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He lays people on your heart. He lays ministries on your heart. So when something's laid on your heart like that, pray about it. That's the key. That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. We, we didn't know anything until the next day when we talked to him on the phone. 
But that's how God works. And so pray in the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit of God guide your prayers. Okay? That's important. Keep yourself in the love of God. I, I, lo- I love the hymn, and you know the hymn I'm going to say. It's the love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. It's the love of God. God's love is so great. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Always remember that. God loves you with an an everlasting love. And he's not going to stop loving you. We're accepted in the beloved, it says in Ephesians 1.6. You ever feel sometimes you're not accepted? You ever feel like you're down in the dumps? We've all probably been there. But I'll tell you one thing. God is going to be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the God of the mountains and the God of the valleys. When you're going through a tough time, he's going to be right there with you. Amen? So praise the Lord for the love of God. God's love is unbelievable. You know how it is. It's great. Nothing, right? You look at that. That's the end of Romans 8, right? Look at Romans 8. In fact, I would encourage you to look at the whole Romans 8. It's called, I call it a mountaintop chapter of the scriptures. Romans 8, chapter 8, 1. 8, 1 to 8, 39. It's 39 verses. It begins with no condemnation, 8, 1, and ends with no separation. Amen? It says in 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And then it ends by the ones that Rick just mentioned there in the last four or five verses. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from God's love. Amen? And that's the thing. Nothing. So we move on here. And again, we can spend a lot of time just talking about the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And listen. We've all lost loved ones. You know, some of us just recently. It's tough. But one thing you can be assured of, they're with the Lord when they know Jesus Christ. It's called eternal life. Eternal life means forever. We're going to be with the Lord forever. Yes, we're going to, if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, we're going to pass on and we're going to go to be with the Lord. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? Paul wrote that in Philippians 1.21. He says, for to me to live is Christ. And what's the second part? To die is gain. Or in John 15.13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, we're coming up next week on Palm Sunday, then right into Good Friday. I was talking to my brother yesterday. He said, Frankie, He said, why did Jesus have to go through all that punishment on the cross? Couldn't he stopped it? I said, yes, he could have. He could have called legions of angels. But he did it for you. 
Pray for him. He's asking questions. He's asking questions on this course we're going to do in basic theology. He said, you're telling me Jesus is God. He said, I see. He said, do you believe it? He said, yeah, I believe it. He said, but who's he talking to then in heaven when he says, my God, my God? Is he talking to himself? I said, I tried to explain the Trinity. The Trinity is a complex teaching. I, I, it's three persons in one Godhead. One, tri- one God, three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, that's important. Now, moving on. He, he goes on here, and he talks about, and of some have compassion making a difference. Let me just tell, talk a little bit about compassion. Compassion is so important. To have compassion for people. To have a heart for people. Okay? One of my favorite verses is uh, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be kind, tenderhearted one to another, forgiving one another. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. It's so important. And of some have compassion, making a difference. You know something? I will guarantee you in this room, there's somebody that's made a difference in your life. They may be sitting next to you, but they may be somewhere else beside here even. They made a difference in your life. And that's important. Amen? You never know what a word says when you say a word to somebody, what it can mean. You never know what it means when they say I care. You never know what it means when they pray for you. And they mean it. I know what it means in my life when God has used somebody to minister to my heart, my wife and others, of course. But it means a lot. Because sometimes people say, well, the pastor never has any problems. (laughs) What's a pastor, different? I'm the same as you are. We're all flesh. We all have problems. We all have things we go through, right? I'm no superman. I, I have problems just like the rest of you. We all do. We all go through tough times. We all have tough stuff we face in life. So we need to have make a difference. Compassion. And others have saved with, with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Listen, let me ask you the question. If you're riding down the road and you see a house on fire... What would you do? You would stop and try to get him out of the fire, right? You'd call the 911 or the fire department immediately as you see this happening. You'd immediately jump into action. But let me talk about some, something even more important. We're going to do this evangelism 
class for two weeks. What's the purpose of it? Just to fill in two weeks? No. To challenge us and encourage us and spur us on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because people need to hear the gospel. They need the Lord. Don't they? They need Christ. We're saving them from a fire. Right. Now, we know God. We know sovereign and all that. But he uses us. He used the apostles. He used Peter on the day of Pentecost. He used Paul. He used others. He uses us today, you know, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's important. Falling, uh, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The garment. It says in, a, in a Isaiah, all our righteousness are as what? Filthy rags. Our garments. You know what we do when our garments get soiled? What do you do with them? Send them to the cleaners or wash them. You're not supposed to wash suits. You're supposed to send them to the cleaners. I don't know why they can't wash suits, but you're not supposed to. You send them to the cleaners. So if your garments are spotted, what do you, where do you send them? You send them to the cleaner in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. And it says in John 1, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what we do. If my life is soiled with sin, I need to go to the one that can forgive me, and he will. That's what the word of God says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we don't want Satan to take advantage of that or make us feel guilty like, no, you're not forgiven. Look what you've done. Listen, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, haven't we? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? But it also teaches us that if we believe on Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In Psalm 51, after Nathan had come to David after he sinned, David said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say to restore his salvation, but he had lost the joy of it. Sometimes we can lose the joy of our salvation. But that doesn't mean we lost our salvation. You know, when you're not walking right with the Lord, you can lose that joy. And joy is so important. The joy of the Lord, it says in Nehemiah 8.10c, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Psalm 4, or Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. And in, in John 15, 11, Jesus said, that my, I, I tell you these things, that my joy might be in you. And what's the remainder part of that? And that your joy might be full. Joyful. In Christ. How much joy do you have? Okay? How much? 
I got joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Well, praise the Lord, you got it in your heart. Now get it on your face. Huh? You know, sometimes people say to me, boy, you're up there. You don't have a smile on your face. You get so intense sometimes on these things. But you got joy. You can't produce it by yourself. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Joy. Peace. The joy of the Lord. Now, we're going to finish with a doxology. Everybody know what a doxology is? Well, here is the doxology that Jude is going to say here. Listen to this. Now unto him that is able. Sounds like Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To keep you from falling. And then to present you faultless. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? When you go to heaven, you're going to be presented to God faultless. Because Jesus Christ has died for you and for me, for our sins. He's going to keep, listen, through life sometimes we stumble. But he's going to hold you up. He's going to keep you from falling and utterly be destroyed. Yes, we go through times and we stumble in life sometimes. And sometimes we have tough stuff going on in our lives. But I'll tell, I'm going to tell you again, and you know this. He's got you in his hands. You cannot be separated from the love of God. Amen? You are in the hands of the living God. Just as you are as a parent, when you're in a crowded place, I guarantee you as a parent, when you have a young child, you keep your hand on that child because you don't want them to get lost. And God's got his arms wrapped around you. And he's going to keep you from falling to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. The only wise God. You know, God knows everything. He knows all about you, all about me. He knows what you're going through. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But a God is faithful. He will not tempt you above that which you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape. He was te- Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. In chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus was tempted three times by the devil. But in every time that Jesus was tempted by the devil, he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He tempted him again, and Jesus again used scripture. He tempted him again, and Jesus again used scripture. And Jesus has gone through temptation. Jesus knows, not only as God, but also as man, what you and I have faced. He knows that, and he he understands that, not only from a God point of view, but from a man point of view, because he's perfect God, perfect man. 
And so praise the Lord. So he's, he's right there. And he lives within you. All of Christ and all of me. It's God working in me and through me. And hate bringing me along. You know, we sang that song, all the way my Savior leads me. He's going he's gonna to lead you and guide you all the way. All the way. He's not going to leave you alone. What's the 23rd Psalm say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. How long? All the days of your life. And then what will happen? You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ever. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I know what a shepherd does. He leads sheep. Okay? And he's not a hireling. Like John writes about there in John chapter 10. What is a hireling? A hireling, what he does when danger comes, he takes off. But the good shepherd doesn't. When danger comes, he's there. Always. And he's going to protect you. And bring you through with a high hand. A hand of victory. So, amen? Okay. Beloved? You're the beloved. I'm the beloved. Beloved. Beloved, remember what God has said through his word. Beloved, be built up. I'm going to conclude with this. Ephesians chapter 4. Four, eleven. Ephesians four eleven. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yesterday, Louis and I went to the nursing home. Thompson House. By the way, you don't have to have tests anymore. Stick the thing up your nose, put in the fluid, and then put it on a slide. No test. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they take your temperature and they make you wear a, ma- a mask, but they don't know none of that. Thanks, Lord. Uh, there were three people there. And sometimes we go to nursing homes, and this has happened to anybody that's going to nursing home ministry. You're so excited and they are asleep. You ever had that happen? <laughs> They're not bored. They got the temperature in there about 90 degrees. I would fall asleep if I sit in a chair at 90 degree temperature. Okay? But these three guys listened. And one guy... Very interestingly, Rick and I saw this man maybe five, six, seven years ago in Pete's, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Remember that guy? He's sitting there listening. And I asked the question, I said, why did Jesus die on the cross? He said, for our sins. So praise the Lord. You never know what God is doing. 
But all we have to do is be faithful in sharing the gospel and let the Holy Spirit use that in the hearts of people. So that's why it says here, and I'll move on, it says here, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. To build, the, the word edify means to build up. To build up the body. To build up. For example, what is the leadership in this country supposed to do? Does anybody know? <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, I'll tell you what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to build up the country. Like Jack Kennedy said, or President Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. How can I help build it up? How can I help build my church up? How can I help build my family up? How can I help build those people that you've given me to build them up in the most holy faith, in the nursing home, in the children's ministry, in the vacation Bible school ministry, whatever ministry it is, what are we going to do? We want to build them up. I'm sure you parents want to build your children up. I'm sure you, all of us here want to build up the body of Christ. And we want to be used of the Lord. And for what purpose? And then we'll end. Okay, I'm going to read the last verse here. You can read the rest of it over later. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the, unto the edifying of itself in love. So all of us working together helps the whole body. Right? That's the key. That's the key to facing difficult times. Build up. Be ready, beloved. Prepared in the most holy faith. God will bring you through with a victory hand, a hand of victory. Amen. Let's close by singing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. 371. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord. Have your own way in our lives. Let us be built up in the most holy faith, Lord, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by it encouraging our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.